Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. go hello and welcome i'm your host art aldridge and this week in production the pain in spain <laughs> is that like thriller in manila this week in production is produced by art aldridge the thoughts and opinions expressed here are undoubtedly his own you can reach art at this production at gmail.com this is don mcgee to book me for voiceovers please call 908 908- Four five one six seven six zero. Thanks. You have joined this week in production on location post Spain journey. I am joined with my uh, workmate, Mr. Lou Lita. Hello, Art. Good to be back. It's been a while. Ha- have we been gone? I, oh, no. we've been long gone for a long time. <laughs> I can assure you that. We yes, but we we haven't been gone from work. We we no. we've we've been in the thick of it. But but this episode of Twip is going to focus on the the Spain job. We're going to break it into a couple of sections because I feel like it's it's good and bad depending on how we want to tell the story. Mm-hmm. But we'll start by just talking about the. The business of the shoot, the the travel part related to the business of mm-hmm. the shoot, the, the carnet, and uh, all that good stuff. This is an active happy hour, so there's going to be people barging it's in. It's a live out. audience, live studio audience. Live studio audience. Come on in, John. The peanut gallery is entering. Anyway, I'm going to uh, pour a little Don Julio. Yes. Reposado, and uh, cheers to you, Lou. Cheers to you. It's good to be back on TWIP and letting our voice be heard. It's It's been a while since I recorded an episode. When I last left everybody, we were preparing for the trip to the Solheim Cup. That was the project that we were working on centered around that event. The event originally started off as uh, shooting feature documentary style interviews uh, in Terratron style, I was planning on a crew and uh, gear and a carnet. We went through a whole bunch of iterations. And at the end of the day, it was me and you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I brought two camera bodies. You brought a camera body. And basically, the gear was whatever we could roll on. Right. Two Still- carry-ons and one uh, checked bag. Two turntables and a microphone. <laughs> And, and that was it. There was no local crew. Uh, I did go through the process of a carnet just for um, safety and peace of mind. That turned into a little bit of a, uh, a bit that we'll get into. But let me uh, bring us back to the uh, departure day. Mm-hmm. So we were flying to Madrid. We, we had a stop in Newark. Right. At the Customs and Border Patrol office, which uh, apparently um, is in several terminals, I think B and C in Newark, if you fly out of that airport. The last time I had to go to Customs and Border Patrol 
was with my form 45, which was personal items being taken abroad that you wanted to have proof of ownership. And that's what I used to use um, before a carnet. And it's good for like rollerboard stuff. So I went to that office. That was many, many years ago, pre-COVID. And uh, it was a funny little thing I, I mentioned to you when we were driving to the airport that at that point when I tried to get a hold of Customs and Border Patrol, there was only a doorbell behind a locked door. And we rang the doorbell and no one responded for like a long time. Right. Nobody was home. And so just by chance, um, one of my guys pulled on the door to see if it was opened or not. And it was locked, but the doors opened anyway because they were like not pinned in the center you know when you have like two swinging doors and mm. it's dead bolted but the 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 pin in the middle of the other door wasn't pinned so you could pull the lock open and alarms went off this is our border patrol and i thought for sure that at least at least someone would show up and of course that took like another half hour and no one you know showed up for quite a while so that last experience at Customs and Border Patrol was not great. So I had uh, allotted an hour prior to the you know two and a half hours I allotted for check-in. I allotted an extra hour for the carnet. And of course, we go to Terminal C. We go to the office. There's a phone number this time to call. Like It lists six extensions. I called all six. No one answered any of them until the last one, which rang about, I don't know, 30 times. Someone finally picked up. <laughs> I said, hey, uh, hi, I have a carnet. Can someone sign it? And he's like, oh, <laughs> I'll send someone out. And again, it took a little while, and we were standing there for a little while. And then the guy that came out, honestly, didn't even know how to fill it out. Really didn't. Luckily, I had instructions from uh, Boomerang. They give you a very nice packet. Uh, I learned about Boomerang from the office hours, uh, you know, YouTube or Discord channels. Anyway, they provided instructions. So I said, oh, well, it says you have to sign here, sign here, sign here. And he wanted to see some serial numbers. And we had gear spread out. The first item on the list was my, my, one of my C70s. And, of course, the serial number was obscured by the camera plates. <laughs> and I didn't have a screwdriver handy. <laughs> and so it was like a little bit of, you know, fumbling around. Finally, he just said, like, show me any serial number. So we showed him a lens or two, I think. Yep. And then he's like, okay, I'll sign off on your form. He didn't want to go through all he that really equipment. He really didn't. He really didn't. And this is all on the floor in, what, Terminal? Terminal C. Terminal C in, in Newark the, Airport. In the, in the public hallway because yeah. – he didn't want to Your bring baggage us, claim. He didn't want to bring us into the office for some reason. Knowing what I know now, next time it would be better to go to uh, Terminal B Baker at Newark Liberty because there's a proper office. So anyway, we we got through the um, the carnet part. We got it signed. We felt good. We uh, we checked in. You know, we did that part. We got to Spain, and we'll cover the the leisure part of our travel in another podcast. But um, basically, we got on a high-speed train to go to Malaga, which is about a three-and-a-half-hour uh, train journey. There were no really good flight options. 
uh, at least time and, and price wise. So we I opted for the train. We had to be um, at the at the golf property for reporting for work at noon on Tuesday. On Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So we took an early train on uh, Tuesday morning. Had a little bit of language barrier with the train. You know, it was a little comical because we had each had a big suitcase of stuff, including like monopods, right, in the personal suitcase, and along with twelve days of, of clothing. And then we had two pretty heavy rollerboards um, with camera gear. So it was like a little bit of a struggle uh, language. We get on the train. We pegs in and of course i thought we were in the right spot right car right seat i had bought the first class train tickets and of course some some guy comes up and he's like pointing and saying you're in the wrong seat and i showed him what i thought was the right ticket but it was not the right ticket but it said like car 23 we were in car one Mm. So I thought we were in the wrong car, but we really were in the right car. <laughs> but we didn't know that until we walked about 20 cars. And the train's about to move. So oh, you're, yes. like, you're like, let's just get up and leave our check bags that are sticking out of the small cargo compartment. <laughs> just, just leave them that there. That weigh about 70 pounds each. <laughs> right. And then we'll walk to car 23 with our rollerboards and find our seat. And as we're roaming helplessly through the train as it's moving... Um, the conductor asked me for the ticket and I show her the right ticket and it says car one. <laughs> so we, we struggle all the way back to car one from, I don't know, we were like a car 13 at that point. I felt like we were at car 54. Where are you? <laughs> and, uh, we, we get there and yes, we were in the wrong seat, but only by one row. Mm, it was a needless, stressful walk, stressful walk. So anyway, Bumping into uh, uh, annoyed uh, passengers. Yes, yes. The, as the train's the, wobbling on its way the to ugly uh, American. Yes. Oh yeah, we were the poster childs. So that was the first sampling of the pain in Spain. We get to Malaga, and then it's still an hour to the course, and we have to rent a car, and that was a whole you know rigmarole, and we get in the car, so we're still on schedule. Leave it to, you know, luck. We're still on schedule. Um, We've got no official credentials. We have to kind of talk our way into the parking lot. We have to take a bus with all our bags. It's it's quite a a hassle. But we get to the media center at the Solheim Cup. This is Tuesday. There's no real uh, golf going on on Tuesday. Another... uh Member of the audience just walks in. Yes. Help yourself. The, the audio department is here in full, and um, Glidecam is fully represented mm. in the studio audience. So what, what do you recall about uh, arriving at the media center in uh, uh, Malaga? My first sense is uh, we were in a massive media tent with uh, lots of tables People sort of pouring in, but no clear place for us to set up shop. No, no workspace for us per se. Right. It's just sort of, well, you can find a spot, but don't plan on being there for too long because you may this, have to move. This is my client basically saying to us, um, you know, we don't have any designated space. 
you know, we're piggybacking here on the LPGA and, you know, they're, we're at their whim. We're here on their whim. Mm, suddenly not feeling so welcome. Right. So, so anyway, we make ourselves at home. We spread out. And, and there's a press conference that we're supposed to be shooting at 2 o'clock. Turned out we didn't need to be there at 2 o'clock. Correct. Long story longer. Now we, we get an opportunity to get out onto this course. We're supposed to basically be shooting B-roll and interviews and B-roll that will support the the story of this coaching staff that's using uh, data analytics from my client. That's basically what we were and, there yeah, to do. Well summed up. My initial impression was this place is massive and uh, very hilly, mountainous, beautiful, gorgeous course. Yes. Uh, but it was a little daunting going, uh, knowing also a little side note here that we likely were not going to have a cart to move around the course well right it was it was more than like likely it was almost guaranteed but we did have some innocent hope right just maybe someone will feel sorry for us knowing how much we had to cover and right you know when you do these big public tournaments like things get spread out and i get that we've worked plenty of big you know pga events and and this one was a little more spread out than others. We get to the course, we go out, and we get our first taste of the environment and the walking, the heat, the hills, just the uh, the spread out nature of it. And I was concerned. <laughs> you know, we meet up with, with my internal um, clients. Again, we're, we're there... We, we have credentials. We're supposedly having inside the rope credentials because we need to shoot basically the coaching staff. Let's talk about the kit that we brought. Let's start with your kit that you brought so you could walk um, to select holes, you know, get the coaches watching the golf. Mm -hmm. us, like that was what I had sort of given you. Um, a picture of, so what kit did you have my, with you? My kit was a Lumix S5 2X um, using both a Ronin 2 gimbal. And I had two lenses. Uh, this is, actually I had three lenses. I had a 24 to 70 Sigma. I had a 14 to 24 Sigma and a 70 to 200 Canon. And are those, um, are those, is that an L mount camera? Yes, L mount camera. And so you had everything native except for the Canon. Except for the 70 Canon 7200 uh, that I thought I would need, you know, for long range shots, depending on where we were set up. Yes. Um, I had a Sennheiser wireless to wire the coaches to pick up some. Right. We were supposed live to, we were, we were supposed to have the, the scientist, the math analytics yes. scientist mic'd up so that when he was on the, uh, the sidelines, the ropes, we would sort of hear his conversation, his thought process, his uh, frustration, his, Correct. his uh, joyous celebration. Right. Yeah. Yep. Didn't work out no, that way. No, no, Okay, so you had, you had so a wireless So I had that, mic? I had a monopod. As I said, the first couple of days were mostly gimbal shots, beauty shots, covering practice rounds, uh, signage, um, you know, the, the spectacle that was this event. Um, and then during the event, um, 
sort of following all the activity on a monopod with various lenses, um, the crowd, the the hoopla, the mayhem. Um, oh, there was mayhem. Oh, there was mayhem. And then, um, you know, I had a gradical, you know, I was, I was trying to keep a small footprint, especially knowing we likely were not going to have a, a cart and we were going to be lugging equipment around. Again, didn't know going in how hilly and how many miles we would be walking. Right, which we will come back to. And and then for my kit, again, I was there mostly um, shooting interviews, um, some footage, but you were going to be the primary B-roll shooter, um, but I had to be prepared for shooting interviews. So this really, my kit, which was uh, based on a Canon C70 and RF uh, zooms, that kit and that decision for what I was bringing to Spain, I made almost a year ago. Knowing that we were going to be traveling to Spain, these cameras had to be basically carry-ons. I made the decision to go with a kit that was uh, based around the C70. And then we shot all of our feature interviews uh, in Terratron style on that kit so that everything would match what we did in Spain. So I really had committed to that kit almost a year ago, really going back to NAB uh, 20, 22, 22 right. when, I, when I decided to buy the C70s for this purpose. So my kit was two Canon C70 bodies, even though I really only needed one. They were both in the bag, and I felt like it would be foolish for something to happen. Right. And if I had to spare and I didn't bring it, it would just be... Right. As you know, a great philosopher once said, one is none, two is one. Courtesy John Carrera. <laughs> so I had uh, I had two Canon C70s. I had uh, outfitted them with um, bright tangerine cages. I had uh, three Canon RF lenses. I had a 15 to 35 or so, whatever that the, the numbers on the RF lenses are a little different than the regular uh, EFL lens sizes. I had a 28 to 70 and I had an 85 millimeter prime. So those were the three lenses that I thought I would be uh, using to shoot the feature interviews. I also had a uh, Ninja monitor. I, I packed a, uh, a Sheps CMIT5 to shoot, um, to, to record the audio. The, the interviews were basically gonna be wide and close, and I was gonna use that mic basically because we had no sound person. No. And I had uh, built a nice little uh, custom arm based around a small rig kit that had locking 3-8 pins and a shock mount and a, and a wooden screen. And that was going to sit on top of the camera. I had the monitor that was also rigged up to a little arm, and I had a monopod. And, and again, the whole reason for the monopod was... Because we had no crew, we right. had no help, lightweight, and couldn't move. couldn't take another bag. So that the monopod that I bought specifically for this job was an iFootage. Uh, it's their newest one. It actually worked out really well. Uh, it could ha it had feet and it could stand on its own. Though I wouldn't walk away from it, <laughs> but it could stand on its own uh, if everything was centered. And then I had a second bag with all kinds of bits. I had to bring a laptop. I had to bring hard drives. 
uh, had to bring uh, power converters and plug adapters mm. and all those little bits that needed to be uh, used to offload. And the offloading was going to, um, I had two four-terabyte RAID sets, so four drives, four terabytes each, but they were RAID 1 with the intention that everything was going to be offloaded and the client was going to walk with a set of footage and I was going to walk with a set of footage. And that, that part worked out great. So, so that was the kit. That was the plan. And, and day one basically proved that we were going to be in for a whooping. <laughs> Insert sound effect. We were in for a whooping. We, uh, we go back to the hotel which is again a journey. Get on a bus with our bags. Yep. Um, that was proving to be troublesome. Um, then we get to a car, drive thirty minutes back. You know, through these small town roads with these crazy roundabouts. Where Lots people, of roundabouts. Where people, you know, just are driving at full speed through a, a, a traffic circle. There's about forty people in the live audience right now. Mm, so being very well behaved. So so we go back to the hotel, and that's the first time we were at the hotel. Right. And it was dark. Right. That's right. I forgot. We checked in after that we, long journey. Yeah, it was a long a journey, long day, a lot of like uncertainty. And basically the plan for day two was to get there early and shoot practice round uh, B-roll. Mm-hmm. Because um, the, there was no TV coverage of the practice rounds. And the whole... The whole shoot was predicated on the idea or the what we thought was the fact that we were getting tournament footage from the LPGA, right? right. You guys don't need to shoot nope. golf nope. because we're getting that from the, uh, the broadcast. But anything that's not tournament, we need B-roll. Right. We want to capture sort of the behind the scenes, the stuff the tournament won't. Right. be capturing. So that is when we soon discovered that we would be walking multiple miles to go anywhere. Multiple miles. Multiple miles. Mountainous miles. miles. Mountainous miles. We were in the thick of it at that point. And and I will say this, um at the at the end of the day, I do as a producer understand the challenges that my client faced in trying to put this together and and you know, for the record, it was not my client's event. It was a you know international tournament that was uh, put on in partnership with the LPGA and the European Women's Golf League, whatever their you know uh, initials are. I don't know. It was it was not our event. It was not my client's event. Like, we were unwelcome guests. We were unwelcome guests. So I get. That I, I get that, but we were still there, and we still we had a mission, had a job to do, and all I was looking for, and I directed a lot of frustration and questions, and just you know things that needed to be answered at at my client. Sometimes, probably in a, a manner that was emotionally charged. <laughs> And and like I do understand, like they just, you know, couldn't provide answers. But I also felt like they were not going to bat 
for themselves. And by, for, by what I say for themselves, they weren't going to bat for us, which was to help themselves. Right. I think the fact we got in the door was 90% success. Anything after that was up to right, us to but, but, make it work. But, right, but getting in the door really was, was nothing because if you recall, you know, we had full access to the course, walked a lot of uh, miles on the feet, long day. Um, I think that day was um, at least 12 hours. Oh, yeah. Each day we were, we were out early. We were out 6 a.m. before there was even breakfast at the hotel. Yep. We get to and, the, and the sun center. didn't even rise till eight o'clock. Right, sun didn't rise till eight o'clock, and there was no breakfast at the media center to speak of. Mm. The the breakfast mm. at the media center at at six a.m. Wonder bread and uh, maybe some coffee uh, and uh, a couple of slices of bread were available and some cheese. There was like a a, a uh, weirdly sliced turkey breast, perhaps. Oh, Mr. Chartrand has a question, please. Hey guys, I've just I've missed the microphone for so long, but yes, you, it's been <laughs> it's quite been a while. while. I but, know. I mean, this this was like a big undertaking and a big expense to get you guys over there. And there's so many questions just around that. But do you guys feel like you were set up to succeed? And if not, no. was that in your client's control to get you the things that you knew you needed for the project you were there for? So that's a fair question, mm -hmm. and it's a question that I asked as well. We, we had lots of meetings. Um, there were lots of questions that I had about things like parking and transportation and like logistics of, you know, where do we live? Where do we charge batteries? <laughs> you know, and there were just no answers that were um, provided to us. Now, they supposedly went back and asked the LPGA. And listen, I again, I keep saying this. I, I do understand the LPGA doesn't care about my client per se. Like, you know, they're, they're struggling to put on this event internationally. And it's not really their event either. It's this international organization. So we were not set up to succeed. We, 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 the ball was already rolling. We were basically committed to go. I think on, if it was my job, if if I was in charge of this job and it was my butt on the line, I probably would have honestly pulled the plug saying there's just not enough resources on the ground to make this happen properly. Right. And with that, did you just feel that you were expected to roll parallel to what was going on, do the best that you can? And Pretty much. I just think, you know, you're in, all right, we've got cameras, there's an event going on, let's shoot something. I, I and hope I, that we can make something out of I, it. I think for better or for worse, I think, you know, my reputation and, and your reputation for getting the job done, you know, in the worst of situations, probably gave my client some Comfort just not to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. Oh, they'll figure it out. Yeah. They will figure it out because we always do get the job done as best we can. But, but again, if it was my documentary and it was my butt and my dollars and all this stuff on the line, I probably would have bailed not having certain things 
secured ahead of time. Yeah, too risky. Very risky. So one of the big red flags was the first day of tournament play. And if you recall, we arrived at the venue early. Very oh, early. very early. Very, very, very early. Very, very early because the, the client producer was um, inexperienced in production and so was very anxious uh, into you know, making sure we were in place probably well before we needed to. But we get to the venue, we get to the media center, and there are no media credentials for us none we can't leave the media center with a camera because we don't have a credential and we're not sure we're going to get one and that i saw i saw a lot of uh crying there was a lot of crying in the in the media center at that point <laughs> and uh, it, I mean, it got resolved, but it was one of those sort of eye openers. Like, man, this is going to be bad, 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 bad. So, no resources, no support. Tremendously challenging logistics of being there. Um, Twelve-hour days, sixteen-hour days. No breakfast. One, one night, no dinner. No dinner. I mean, horrible, horrible working conditions. I, I, was, I was embarrassed for my client in the sense that if this was a job, if we were employees <laughs> of this company, we would have been calling HR right. saying, <laughs> um, please helicopter us out. This is you know unsuitable workplace. Conditions. Now I get it. We're not employees. We're we're mercenaries. We're the hired Perfect guns. Perfect word. And so it doesn't matter. And we and we're not complaining. We're not complaining about. No, it. we're just reporting the facts. We're, we're <laughs> reporting the facts. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, we, we 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 did what we were asked to do. We did more than we were asked to do, and we we got everything that we could have been expected to get. At the end of the day, the American team uh, tied, which is technically a loss. It wasn't the Cinderella story outcome that the documentary was hoping for, but we we did everything. We you know shot everything. We we turned in the footage. We didn't lose anything. Everything went as planned. And I will say this because there is a stigma about doing a job in a, um, I don't want to say exotic, but a, you know, oh, you're on the southern coast of Spain. Yes, it was beautiful, scenically. Oh, it was. Beautiful. But there's like a stigma that people think, you're out there on a leisure cruise, <laughs> my wife included. <laughs> and that was so far from the reality. So far from the reality. If we had flown as my client did, from Newark, directly to Malaga on the first day, reported straight to work, and then left the day after the event finished back to Newark. If that was our job... We would have been broken. Broken, angry, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, not at all 
in any condition to turn around in four days and do another job. Right. Which is where we are now. Correct. We, so, we had a little uh, decompression. It didn't have to be horrific. It lacked planning and some gumption and some uh, ability to, to persist. Mm. I, I got the feeling that, you know, my client just didn't want to rock the boat. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And the boat needed to be rocked. Yeah. Not hard, but it needed to be rocked a little bit. And from that standpoint, it was horrific. Now, part two of this podcast, we will talk about the other side of doing a job like this, which is taking advantage of situations. Mm-hmm. We did take advantage of the situation. Yep. We flew in to Madrid two days ahead of the job. We stayed for a day after, and we made the best of what we could do with our lemons. We were given lemons, and and you know, <laughs> actually, we were given olives. <laughs> yes, we were given olives, and we made uh, you know first press cold olive oil. <laughs> so on part two of the pain in Spain. We will talk about the the pre and post and the travel part of this journey. I look forward to that. You look forward to that. So for now, I'm your host, Art Aldridge, with Lulita. Lulita. And we will see you next time, which is in about three minutes <laughs> from now. <laughs>